you know, we, we still have a small team today. And so for us, it's, it's how do we prioritize as our team's time, but we're starting to see like that education gap is so huge that we do need to step in and fill that, especially if we want to accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish. Hello, and welcome to the Optimized Store Owner Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron and Christian. We want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. Every good story starts with conflict. And this one actually started no different. Brad is a great example of somebody who started a business right before COVID and then try to figure out how the heck to make this business work when all of its resources were basically pulled out from underneath them. Brad and I actually met at church, were introduced at church and um, I just found out more about his business and what all they are doing. It's a, it is an incredible company that works with Olympians. They're helping people um, all over the world. And I think that you're going to get a ton of value out of this. Whether you are in the fitness space or you um, casually run or competitively run or any type of um, activity, I think that's great. You're going to get a lot out of this. But if you are a business owner who is also looking for tactical advice and just really inspiration to push forward and continue that journey and not ever give up on your dream, this is an episode for you. All right, you guys, enjoy. All right. Brad, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. All right. So I think you have a unique product that probably requires a little bit of explanation that we'll try to do visually uh, or paint visually with some words here. So I'll let you do that. And then I want to I want to go backwards from it. But let's introduce the product. And then we'll talk about that. And then I think we can we can take the conversation into um, more of the business side of things. But I think it'd be good for everybody to understand what the product is, uh, because I think that does require some explanation before we go any farther. Yeah, no, good place to start. Um, so first and foremost, company's name is uh, Lever Movement, based out of Boulder, Colorado. Um, our product that we sell today is a bodyweight support device. Um, and so what that means is we are a treadmill attachment uh, that reduces uh, up to 45 pounds of body weight for the person on the treadmill. Um, and there's a whole heck of a lot of uh, use cases for it, but uh, mainly in the re- rehabilitation space, you know, coming back from stress fractures, surgeries, um, honestly, just like niggles for some of our runners. Um, and then there's a performance side of it as well. Um, you know, over speed work, um, you know, being able to do more work on, on tired legs for our like Olympic um, and professional athletes um, as well. So that's what it is. Very cool. Yeah, and I was going to say, you guys do a great job on the site. I just send them over there. We'll put a link in the description of like the best case scenarios here um, or like the scenarios because I think you guys break it down of like um, basically are you an, are you going to this as if you're an athlete? Are you using this for medical or are you using it for, for different aspects? So I think that's um, really cool. So how did you guys create this product? What was the, what was the thought process behind it? And yeah, how, how was it created? Cause just looking at it now, it's like, this is, there's a lot of, I think physics and a lot of, a lot of uh, thought process gone into how to, how to make something like this. Yeah. So the interesting part is we're in um, a bit of a league of our own right now. So we don't technically have any competitors. <laughs> so it may sound like a good thing. Uh, but the issue with that is we have to do a lot of education uh, for our, our consumers. 
Um, and so really the reason why, the way our product came about was um, I ran at a D1 university um, in Texas uh, for cross country and track. Uh, um, and there is this device called the Altergy, um, which, you know, if you're on their website, you know, NASA, uh, made by NASA essentially, um, but they work with mainly D1 schools. Um, a lot of NBA, NFL teams have them. Um, they're over fifty, sixty, seventy thousand uh, dollars treadmills that use uh, air pressure. Um, you zip into them, and they use air pressure to reduce body weight uh, for the person on the treadmill. Obviously, very similar to us. Um, and at my school, we were very fortunate to have two of them just for the track team, which is pretty wild. Um, and you know, we are very fortunate to have them, um, just because again, they ha body weight support is such an awesome functionality that I would say not many people know about today. And so, you know, fast forward a few years and move out to Boulder, Colorado. You know, every seems seemingly every one of my friends is either like a professional runner or Olympic athlete, um, <laughs> and uh, a good bit of them, you know, obviously they, they push their bodies to the limits, and so they get broken down a lot um, and get injured a bunch. And even in a town like Boulder that's known for in their endurance community, there wasn't, a, there's only maybe one Altergy um, available for like the whole city. And it costs an arm and a leg just even to rent out time on. And so that really got my wheels spinning on, you know, is there one, I was going to do some market research. Is there anything else out there on the market today that is being, you know, marketed towards the at-home uh, user, customer? And then, you know, two, is there even a market for this? Like, we don't know, right? Like, not even right. people know about the Alter-G. Um, and uh, they've been around for about 20 years, and nobody really knows about them today. So, like, is there even a market for this type of device? Um, but my co-founder, is he's an engineer. So, co-founder and I, I just started designing what we thought was going to be a really good at-home um, potential product for what we were wanting to do. And then we just started testing the waters in 2019 to see if there was a market for us. How did it? Okay. Just curious. So let's, uh, you started this 2019 um, and then right into 2020. And then this product seems like it may be, um, it could be going a little crazy uh, during the pandemic where more people bought the product or was most of your stuff not to the consumer or how exactly were you guys going to market? Yeah, so, so we mainly went to market uh, through the individual consumer, um, especially right off the bat. You know, a lot of our, the way we got it out there was a lot of our friends, um, you know, well-known friends in the running community uh, that were competing at the top level in the world. Um, you know, if they got banged up or so, like we just have them come over and like use our prototype essentially, right? And so oh, we cool. were able to do some social media pushes that way, uh, just through our friend base. Um, and so, you know, that's what we did primarily through 2019. And that's kind of what started getting us some, some decent traction in, in the running community. Um, and then, yeah, so uh, as we kind of fast forwarded to 2020, early 2020 with COVID uh, kicking off, um, really sales came to like a standstill um, for, for a couple of reasons. One, you know, uh, early days were, if we all remember, like pretty nuts just in general. And, and so nobody was, uh, a big use for our product is to come back from an injury. And if all races are being canceled, right. you really has a desire to come back from their injury sooner, you know, 
even professionals, they were like, you know, I'll, I, I can, I can rest a little bit longer knowing that there's probably no races for a year. Um, and yeah. then we were also getting into the PT market as well. Uh, and, and their doors shut, uh, for those early, early days as well. So, um, you know, for really the first six months, a lot of our sales dried up, uh, for our company. What? Yeah. I was going to say, go ahead, Christian. It's just like, <clears throat> I, I was even talking to, um, s someone else today who kind of went through the same process. Obviously they weren't successful as at keeping afloat, right? They started a business right around, um, when, when COVID really started. Um, but yeah, I guess my question was more on like, how did you guys even manage to kind of keep going and pushing forward? Um, when sort of everything sort of dries up for you? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, you know, I think kind of going back to that original, um, statement I made around, we were just testing the market. Like my co-founder and I still had full-time jobs. Um, and using this as an opportunity to like test test the market and see if this is something that was going to be well received. Um, so because we both had full time jobs and you know really dried up sales, it was definitely a bummer. Um, and uh, yeah, if we want to dive into this, we can as well. But in in January of 2020, so right before COVID, uh, we got a uh, patent infringement lawsuit um, sent our way as well. So, you know, that coupled with COVID kicking off at the same time, um, you know, when zero dollars are coming in and tens of thousands of dollars are going out, it's a, uh, it's definitely mm. a little bleak. <laughs> How did, so were you, did you, well, obviously at this point you're still standing and you still have the product, but kind of, maybe we could do a, a rapid fire version of the, the lawsuit. Has the salt lawsuit ended at this point? Yep. It's done. Um, and you know, we're definitely happy to be on the other side of it. Uh, we're in a good position today. So, um, yeah, we're in a good place. Good. Yeah. I was going to say that's, that sounds, and, um, I think more than anything, right. And this might be putting words into your mouth, but the last person that I talked to had, had a lawsuit happen similar to you, like very early stages of the business. It was like, it was what kept them from like, just basically calling it quits and not doing it. It was, was the fight. And then they were like, well, it was kind of in spite of those things that actually made them successful. So I was like, that's interesting perspective on it afterwards. Uh, probably not when you're in the trenches, but afterwards anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely, you know, those are tough months, right? It's not like it's a couple of days goes by and you get through it. It's, it was months upon months upon months. And so, um, you know, the way that I framed it like with my wife and then also with my you know business partner was, you know, this is this is our cost of you know instead of getting an MBA, this is our MBA. We're going to be learning a lot during this process. <laughs> so um, let's definitely yeah let's step up to the fight. I think uh, it was also during that time period where we started to see some really good you know uh, signs that we had a product that people wanted, and so we almost more so than anything just did it for our customers, um, knowing that like we wanted to reach everybody in the world with our product. And so we couldn't just stop one, one year in, um, from that, from accomplishing the mission. That's what I was going to ask you is like, was there, yeah. Was there that something that was that, that light at the end of the tunnel that was helping you to kind of push forward? Cause I think most people would have kind of given up at that point. So, um, that is, that's awesome. As far as kind of next steps after that, like how did you, what was your first kind of like real breakthrough moment then um, after, you know, COVID, the lawsuit, where did you guys kind of feel like, all right, we're starting to get some traction. What happened next? Yeah, I, I would say a few things. Um, 
coming out of COVID, um, so COVID was difficult, right? I already mentioned it, lack of sales. But what people were doing when they weren't buying our product was more than ever, people bought treadmills for their homes. And so it mm. just opened up even more of a market for us that now we're reaping the benefits of. Um, so that one, that was a great thing. Two, we were also coming into a, an Olympic year. And so that's, you know, coming out of COVID into an Olympic year, people were, you know, getting fired up and like training more than ever to be ready for the Olympics. And so, yeah. you know, we worked with two, um, you know, before the Olympics, we worked with two uh, the future Olympic gold medalists uh, for Tokyo. Um, so that helped us a lot um, as well. And then, you know, I think some of the other signs that we saw of success were, you know, there's a very, uh, very famous, I'd say, for most people that follow marathons, uh, very training, uh, famous training group out of Kenya um, that found out about us and bought three of oh, cool. three of our devices uh, for their town in Kenya as well, uh, their training center in Kenya. So, um, and, you know, they have the best athletes in the world, right? So um, started to see that we were on the right track and delivering really good value for our customers. That's awesome. Um, I think more on a technical standpoint, were you guys even prepared to sell internationally like that? when that order came through or was it like a, oh crap, someone actually ordered from Kenya. We have to now ship this somehow. <laughs> um, we, you know, we were set up for Europe uh, that di those days. And so um, I hope this doesn't get me into trouble. So uh, <laughs> so this actually was through their, um, uh, I mean, blanking on the name of it right now, but uh, the team, their management team. Um, so their management team bought them for them and then brought them into into the country. Uh, for them. We didn't ship directly to Kenya, but yeah, that's how that whole situation worked out. What's the, so I, what does the day-to-day kind of look like now? So the product is created, the product is, is it now, now all about like marketing and sales and getting the distribution out there? Um, or what does the day-to-day kind of look like right now? Yeah. So I would say the day-to-day -day looks um, a lot like perfect name for for your podcast, but a lot of optimization, honestly, like we're really working on our website these days. Um, nothing's live yet, but in the behind the scenes, we're really working on our website. You know, we do, we do not know who our customer is until they order. And so we're trying to get that knowledge and insight about who's on our website, like far earlier in the process and engaging with people far earlier in the process. Um, so that's one of the projects that we have that we're working on right now. You know, I mentioned it earlier too, but there's a lot of education that we need to do in our space um, just to help people understand the benefits of body weight support. Um, so we're working on, you know, courses and even certifications and, you know, rolling those out to not only uh, athletes, but also to PTs as well. Um, and just making sure that we have um, a good, um, a good standing on the education, uh, you know, that we look like the experts in the space from an education standpoint as well. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's so much to do there, right? Like you said, you, you've ran in the past and in, in college, and I'm sure that just the connections that you have, like that is a, uh, I seek those things out personally just as a runner, but also it's a needed space. I don't feel like there's the people who are good at the sport or in general who use those typically don't have a platform like a YouTube where they're actually educating. Most of them just become coaches and then they don't ever create content. And so I feel like there is a gap. Like you guys 
I, I would be a consumer of your content because there is a big gap. There is not very many people. I think there's like some old guy. I watched him. Nothing against the old guy, but he's like 65. And so he's the only one who's got the time just kind of sitting in front of a couch and just talking about things. But that's really the extent of it. So I feel like there is a gap where you guys could definitely fill in the marketplace. Yeah. And we're working on that. You know, we, we still have a small team today. Um, and so for us, it's, it's how do we prioritize? as our team's time. Um, but we're starting to see like that education gap is so huge that we do need to step in and fill that. Um, especially if we want to accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish. Yeah. Do you mind expanding on those a little bit? Like maybe you don't have to hit certain like financial revenue goals, but like what, what is the, what is the kind of the driving goal for the business? Yeah. So, um, you know, coming out of, I'll say this. So coming out of COVID, um, Ironmans were some of the first races back. Um, like even before like Boston marathons that had like 50,000 people on the starting line. Right. So Ironmans were, were some of the first ones back and it worked out pretty well that Ironman and triathletes were, um, especially on the elite level were coming to us like at least a couple times a day, um, to like partner with them. And so I would say today, like our brand is really well known in the Ironman space. And so if we go to an expo, like most people I'd say have at least seen us heard about us before. And so my goal is, is to do that across all verticals that we have with PTs, uh, um, with marathoners. Um, and then, you know, obviously we are starting in the U S but taking that globally. Um, and if, if we can be, you know, I, I love to follow other businesses stories. And so if we can have like a similar story to like the Norma tech recovery boots or, you know, hyper that just blew up over the last couple of years. Um, like that's the goal is to take our product to, you know, every athlete, every PT clinic, every coach that's working with the endurance team, like around the world. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15 minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training. I want to take a step back with, and I, I guess more on the technical side of things on the website, um, the, the rental aspect of it, how, or I guess when was that introduced uh, for the business? How is that going? Um, and uh, is there more of a, of a future to that? And then I guess, yeah, how, do, how does the whole process of, of renting that type of equipment and sending it back, how does that, all that work? Yeah, so we we rented them. Um, that's one of the things that kickstarted us around COVID, right? So middle of COVID in the summer of 2020, we started the rental program really as a way to um, lower the barrier of entry to a, a $1,100 product. Um, so it's $99 a month. Um, if you, if an athlete or PT keeps it for 12 months, it's paid off. Um, and so it's kind of also a rent to own situation. And what we've noticed, what we noticed early on, the reason why we kept it going is, you know, over 90% of our rentals are kept through tw the 12 month period and, and paid off. Uh, it's, it's very few and far between that we're receiving rentals back. Um, and so, you know, one, it was just really, uh, it was really initiative just to kickstart sales again um, and get us in more places uh, at once. The other aspect to it, and it's more of a, it was more of a 
a mindset thing is, you know, triathletes are used to spending a thousand dollars on most of their items that they purchase. Um, and so the, the purchase price for triathletes was not huge. However, runners, usually the most expensive thing that they buy is a running shoe. And that's around hundred fifty bucks. And so for the triathletes, like purchasing our device was just like purchasing anything else that they have in their gear set for a thousand bucks. But we really wanted to start working with runners. And so that hundred dollars a month translated a lot better to that running community um, because it was a purchase price that they're used to. Um, and so it was more of a psychological thing than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes sense. Um, I also wanted to, I saw it somewhere in here, there was like actual studies from universities and everything. Um, just, I, I've known nothing right about, um, the, the body weight, I guess, alleviation or restriction. I, I don't know what the actual terminology is, but, um, is that also part of like the best path to recovery is to still keep your form while running, but with, you know, less weight is that it's considered, you know, not best practice because obviously there's not much, you know, you guys are, are, are paving your own, your own lane here. Um, but how much is of the, of the education on the, of those studies? How, how much is the importance of there? Um, and then it, it, I mean, is this, you know, the solution, uh, or the best solution out there for, for this type of, I mean, I guess more so on the recovery side of things. Yes. Yeah, so, so, um, you answer the question on the research side of things first, uh, right out of the gate, um, we got research done with the university of Colorado. Um, mainly to, and it's preliminary research, but it was mainly to show that what our device was doing was similar to that $60,000 device. So we could have some type of comparables of like, Hey, like, you know, the $60,000 device reduces ground reaction forces when you're running. And so does this thousand dollar device. And so that was like the main part of that research. Um, and then. You know, second, the, the one with University of Memphis, along the same lines, but a little bit more technical, I'd say, around, um, you know, what does reducing your ground reaction force do for your running economy? And and so that one d- dove into that a little bit as well. Um, and so the, just for example, like there's really cool things that we're starting to see in this space as, as more and more research and um, science is kind of like brought into it is when you reduce about 10% of your body weight when you run, you can run 30 seconds per mile faster at the same heart rate. So, wow. and so that means that same exertion. So you're able to, you know, if you're used to going out, let's say running eight minute mile pace, you could go to run at 90% body weight and run at 730 per mile. And that helps a lot from, um, you know, obviously there's a, an efficiency aspect to it. But also getting your legs turned over at 7.30 minute per mile instead of eight is a huge performance um, benefit that we could, you know, obviously dive deeper into as well. I I am curious on that, actually, from my own personal perspective. Um, with that, does that, is there a point at which there's diminishing returns to what you said there? Meaning like, so you gave him an example of an eight minute mile. Does that still go all the way to like, like you have Olympic athletes or triathletes or whatever. So essentially if they were running a, um, a five thirty mile, they could be doing it at a five minute pace or roughly around such. And they're getting that type of turnover too. Like there's no, is there a drop off from performance or something like that? Or like, uh, lack of benefit from from anything once it drops to maybe a little bit of a quicker pace. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
most of our research has been done like up to six minute miles. And so I had, okay. um, we haven't, we have a lot of professional athletes that use it for faster, like, you know, five minutes down to 440 pace or so. Um, right. I would have to look into their heart rates, but, um, but I'm assuming I'll just, yeah, I'm assuming there's a law of diminishing returns at some point, but the heart rate, any, anything from six minute miles to about 10 minute miles these days is seeing that 30 seconds per mile improvement. Well, that's, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, that's, that's a game changer there. And like you, I mean, you mentioned it, we kind of keep talking about the podcast that is to me as a runner. And even I think, um, a lot of, from just an outside perspective of a person, like that's also just extremely interesting to kind of see. It's more of like the, uh, how they used to do stuff with, the like football or whatever Amazon has them. It's like the, the science behind the things is like, that's the very interesting piece that's like, will draw really anybody in, but it's also, um, I don't know. I think it's a cool perspective to have, but uh, yeah, personally, I, I just want to check that out. That's really, really cool. Um, so where is, um, what is, what is the strategy behind the, like the content creation that you guys have going right now? Is this something that is going to be the piece that's ramping up? Is this short form content or blogs or podcasts or how do you, how do you guys plan to add content to the market? Um, mainly today, uh, we're working on, uh, we're working, Instagram collaborations is always like our first and foremost, most success, um, most successful uh, type of content that we've created so far um, with different professional athletes in our space. Um, and then, you know, using some of that with like even YouTube shorts, um, we, we haven't done a ton of like Facebook advertising, but we're working more on the Instagram advertising space right now. Um, and then um, what we're also really trying to do is build out solid campaigns and email newsletters. And that's honestly just not something that we've done before. Uh, it might sound crazy being a few years old. Um, cause it's like usually like the most elementary thing to do when you start a company, but, um, you know, we've, we've gotten to the point where, you know, that's definitely one of the, the main focuses as well. I wanted to, you said that, um, sorry, you were awesome. uh, yeah. you a co-founder who was an, more of the engineer. And then you have a small team right now as part of, you know, building a really product based company. Um, what was your, I mean, I guess who was your first hire and how do you build, you know, the team from, from just having you and then your, your co-founder? Yeah, no, great question. So first hire was, uh, definitely somebody on the social media side. Um, so I was doing our social media the first, I want to say about first year, year and a half or so. Um, and it was absolutely awful. Like absolutely know your strengths and weaknesses, uh, as, as a co-founder. And that was one of mine weaknesses for sure. Uh, and so once we brought him on, like the content started getting a lot better, um, and just looking a lot more professional, um, really working on like our, our branding, um, from the standpoint of just consistency and like the messaging that comes along with that as well. We did a lot of like, you know, internally like uh, story brand, which Donald Miller, if oh, you're yeah. familiar with him. So, you know, internally we worked on work through that a lot uh, to create our messaging. Um, and then, you know, he, he's really taken that and run and has done a great job of creating just a very consistent look and feel across our social media sites. Um, 
and and so good that I had to delete all of my Instagram posts from uh, yep. from Instagram because it was so um so that was definitely the first hire uh, and I would say that was one of the best ones that we've made for sure. What has been so did um we didn't really talk about the background but I'm curious like so uh, was this your first kind of entrepreneurial journey or had you started other companies or wh what was your background? Yeah, so so this is my first company that I started. Um, I was I've always been really interested in in entrepreneurship. Uh, at this college I went to, uh, I was part of the like, Entrepreneurship Living and Learning Center. We wrote like um, business plans all the time. Um, I had a good amount of business plans. Um, I always have had a good amount of business plans, but I've, um, I will say like I'm less of a serial entrepreneur and more of somebody that like. I, I need to feel fully like convicted that this is the right idea to go after it. Um, and yeah. so that it, it took me a while to like find that right idea that I was willing to like give up a lot for, um, to go after. But once we, again, going back to once we saw the, the opening in the market, one, we just like could not believe nobody created a product like ours before, like could not believe it wasn't out there. Um, and so, you know, we were able to, to have a very solid patent in this space um, because there's been nothing done before us. Um, and then, um, yeah, two, I think we just did a really good job of uh, um, marketing messaging to like the right folks as well. Um, I think yeah. one of the um, hardest things to make a business like this work, especially in the startup phase. And what I mean by that is more so bootstrapped and like from the ground up is getting the buy-in. So I don't know if you were, uh, you may have mentioned you were married or have had kids or anything at the time, but how did you get that buy-in um, and support? Because a lot of times if you, like you said, you were doing this while also working another job, but then eventually I, I, you have to make a decision on what to do. So getting the buy-in from the spouse, uh, it matters quite a bit. What what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, definitely conversations that um, we had probably from the beginning of the company, uh, um, but it took about a year and a half until I did go full-time, um, more of like summer of... Uh, because it was more of summer of 2020, 2021, I believe, is when I went full-time. And so, uh, so actually, that's, that would have been almost two and a half years. But, yeah, I think my, one of the things is, like, my wife is super supportive. Um, and she was, when we decided for me to go full-time with this company, was within probably a week of us finding out that we were, like, pregnant with our first kid. And so... <laughs> Um, you know, you gotta love, uh, timing and everything. Right. Um, but you know, ultimately, you know, for us to, to make that decision, we didn't going back to like, we didn't know how big this market was, but we started seeing like tiny glimpses that this could be a real company that was built, um, and flourish in a space that no one's gone before us for that required a lot more time spent on the daily activities of the company. Um, and so by the time I went full-time, it was more of a no-brainer than it was anything else. That's awesome. Um, I feel like, it, Christian, I don't know if there was something uh, else that you wanted to hit on there, but um, I just wanted to make sure that we didn't miss anything on this kind of entrepreneurial journey of like how you pulled it. I think 
there was a podcast that was out there a long time ago and they they've since i think they just did it for fun they never really like decided to run a business or anything it was just kind of a couple of guys but they had a phrase it was like pull the rip cord uh which is like what do you do to kind of make that entrepreneurial plunge? And I want to make sure that we, we highlight that completely with this conversation outside of the product and how amazing it is. But is there anything else kind of on your journey that we didn't hit on or like maybe a pivotal point that um, would add value to the audience that we could do you would want to share? Yeah, great question. You know, I think, um, yeah, I would say two things. You know, we are about, four years old, four and a half years old now. Um, and so like pulling the cord is a great saying because I would have done it sooner. Like no, like fast forwarding a few years, like I, I would, you know, whether things go super well or they go to failure, like just find out fast, right? Like fail fast yeah. or succeed fast. Um, and I wish I had that mentality um, earlier on um, rather than trying to play it safe for probably too long. Um, and then, you know, the other thing too, is my co-founder and I, uh, never spent more than like two months in the last, uh, so actually we're going on our third month together full time at the same time, um, just life circumstances and everything like that. And, and having you and your co-founder full time together, um, is just proven to be like something that's accelerating what we're doing here over the last couple months. So, um. So yeah, I mean, definitely just have to sometimes just make sacrifices when you can see the vision and you can see, you know, the good stuff that's that's coming ahead of you. Very cool. I, you mentioned something there quick. I want to uh, touch on very quickly, which is I know your co-founder was also the the engineer side of things, but do you feel like having the co-founder help as a support to to make the business successful versus trying to go out completely solo? For us, yes, and we're a great team. Um, and so, like, even from like Dave to one, you know, we've supported each other really well. And, you know, we've learned how to, you know, communicate effectively with each other, be aligned with the business vision and where we're trying to go with it as well. Um, and you know, I'd say like anytime there's been like some type of, um, you know, tension or anything, it's, it's just because there's been a lack of communication, you know, but, you know, having two people together on the same page and now we have a team built underneath us, um, you know, things are operating a lot more efficient, efficiently now that we're all all together moving forward on this. Very cool. Brad, where is the best place? Like I said, I'm going to send them uh, a link in the in the description here. Is there a good place to kind of connect with you online, find out, see what you're up to as far as an entrepreneur or just send them to the website? What's the best place for them to kind of connect? Yeah, I'd say the best thing is uh, check out our company page. It's at Lever Movement. Okay. Instagram, um, yeah, our website's levermovement.com. Me personally, I'm just at Brad Miles on Instagram. But as you may have guessed, like earlier on in this conversation, I don't do much on social media. So uh, <laughs> uh, you won't find much there uh, besides some of the reels that uh, my team's created for me. But um, yeah, other than that, um, yeah, come along the journey with us. I mean, it's really cool to see a vision for, for something um, and then to watch it play out in front of you and we know that we're only in the first inning still, but and there's a long way for us to go. But uh, we we really think every single treadmill in the world is going to be um, made out of the box with a, a unit like ours on it someday. Um, 
So that's awesome. Yeah. Beginning stages of that for sure. Awesome. Thank you, Brad. Yeah. Thank you guys. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBraining and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.